Welcome in. This is Locked On Northwestern, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And this is your source for Northwestern athletics. And thank you for making Locked On Northwestern your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Carter Bird. Today, we're going to talk about the last position group that we have yet to talk about on the offense, the tight ends, and then we're going to dig into the schedule. In 2021, the tight ends had a very unique impact for the Northwestern offense. If you look at, at it on paper, they only caught 29 balls, and they only had 173 yards. That's only... of the receptions and only 8.1% of the receiving yards that the offense had. But where the impact was made was the tight end room accounted for five touchdowns of the 13 that Northwestern had in the receiving game. So that's 38% of the receiving touchdowns that Northwestern had all season so one thing you know going in with this group is that they very much are, are threats in the red zone. And when you look at what is coming back for 2022, first you have to take note that your one loss in the tight ends room is Trey Pugh, the six foot five, 250-pound tight end out of Plain City, Ohio. He's a three-star in that 2017 class. Uh, according to the 247 composite, he was number 662 player. You know, over his career, it may not have panned out the way that you would have liked due to injury. In 2018, you saw him catch 30 balls for 29 yards. In 2019, he caught a couple balls for 9 yards. He missed 2020 due to injury. And then 2021, you saw his, uh, I guess, somewhat breakout. It still was a small production number, but it was 7 catches for 34 yards. But the two touchdowns are what it's what is important. He was a threat in the red zone. You saw him go four catches for 18 yards and two touchdowns against Michigan State. That was the game that he had a significant impact in. But that is what you lose out of that tight ends room. But you also know that you have two pretty solid starters coming back. The first being Charlie Mangieri. He's a grad student, so he's coming back for his final year of eligibility. He's 6'4", 250 out of Peoria, Illinois. Yet again, he's another three-star guy, but he was of the 2018 class rather than the 2017 class like Pew. According to the 247 composite, he's the 1,233rd player in that 2018 class, the number 93 athlete, and the number 29 player in the state of Illinois. Over his career in 2019, he had five catches for 21 yards. In 2020, he had seven catches for 53 yards. And then last year, he posted career highs with nine grabs for 68 yards. When you watch Mangieri play, the things that jump out are he's a physical blocker. And he he's almost has a mean streak to him like you would talk about uh, offensive linemen. Because he's that physical and he's that strong, he's a tough guy to bring down, and you you will see him go up and try to make contested catches. He's a strong guy, so you know you have that. He may not have 
um, an elite ability to get open, but at the very least, you have a capable blocker that can help you in the run run game. And as we've talked about before, the run game is going to be key to this 2022 Northwestern offense. Now, your other, I guess, on paper returning starter is Marshall Lang going into his junior year. Another big guy, six foot four, two hundred thirty-five pounds, big frame at least, out of Cincinnati, Ohio. He was a three-star in that 2020 class. According to the 247 composite, he was the 1,212th player in the country, the number 56 tight end, and the number 49 player out of the state of Ohio. Last year was definitely his breakout, as you saw him bring down 11 catches for 68 yards and three touchdowns. Again, the production numbers in the reception and yards category They're not huge, but it's that touchdown number that is significant. I mean, more than a quarter of his catches went for touchdowns. And when you watch him in the passing game, he has good hands. He's he's exactly what you're looking for in a red zone threat. He runs the seam really, really well. And, you know, he runs good routes, and he's pretty fluid for a tight end. He finds ways to get open, and he runs really well. I think he is, of the tight end group, your breakout candidate. Um, your breakout candidate in that group to to really go to the next level. It wouldn't shock me to see him triple these numbers that he has uh, as his stats. I mean, I could see him catch 25, 30 balls, and I could see him put up 300 350 receiving yards, and I wouldn't shock me to see him catch five, six, seven touchdowns this year. I just think that that's that's kind of where he is used. I think that's where he could be effective. Um, And I think it'd be really interesting to watch his role grow going into really uh, another full year of action, another year in the program, another year in the offense, another year in the weight room. Can he add some some strength? Can he become a greater asset in the run game blocking? Can he be on the field more and show that he's he's more than just a red zone threat, which is the majority of what we have seen from him to this point? Coming up in just a couple minutes, we are going to talk about the other players in this tight ends room, and an incoming addition. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, eSports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information. From live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts, they have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. So now we've looked at the the two presumptive starters of this group, but they're not the only ones in this room that can make an impact. There's a few other guys, and then you have an incoming first-year player as well. 
The first of the returners is junior tight end Hunter Wilsing. At 6'3", 242, he's from Deer Park, Illinois. He was a three-star out of the 2020 class. He was the 1,201 player in the country. He was the 55th tight end and the 24th player in the state of Illinois, according to the 247 composite. Now, when you watch clips of him, when you watch tape of him, he gets off the ball fast. He's physical. He's also hard to tackle, and he's... He's a, he's a good blocker. He's a mean blocker, kind of like Mangiri. He's somewhat when when I watch clips of him, he's almost like a Lang Mangiri hybrid to me. He may not have the the full size frame that those two have. They're they're a little bit taller, but he does have this ability to get open and catch the ball. Um but he also has the ability to block like Manjiri. He has a little bit of that mean streak to him, and I think that that he would be a really interesting player to to watch for to potentially break out this season as another just another name to go to in that tight ends room. Uh, I think he could be somebody that going into his third year in the system. I think you could you could see him have a significant impact. Uh, especially maybe in that, in the run game and then in the red zone. Next, you have Lawson Albright. He's a 6'5", 225-pound sophomore out of Greensboro, North Carolina. Another three-star, this time out of the 2021 class. According to the 247 composite, he was the 906th player in the country, the number 48 tight end, and the number 42 player in the state of North Carolina. He kind of reminds me a lot of Lang. Um, may not be quite as fast. Um, he's a willing blocker. I'm not sure he's as physical as Welsing or Mangiri. Uh, but he does he does block to the to the whistle. He's a, he's a willing blocker. I would say that. Um, perhaps I think he might be somebody who may need. Another year in the system, uh, continue to get bigger, get bigger and stronger, and that'll probably help him as far as blocking is concerned. And that would that would be beneficial for sure. He's just not, he doesn't have the same the same weight to him that Welsing or or Mangiri have to this point. Next, you have Thomas Gordon, a 6'5", 240-pound junior out of Houston, Texas. Another three-star, this time out of the 2019 class. According to the 247 composite, he's the number 668 player in that class, the number 27 tight end, and the number 84 player in the state of Texas. He's the only one of this group of three uh, that has catches in his career last year. He caught two balls for three yards. He's very much a physical blocker, much like Mangieri. He's got that that mean streak to him. He very much um, wants to he wants to put you on on your back. In the passing game, I think is where he probably lacks. He doesn't really have the speed of some of the other guys that I think you see in this room. Uh, the route running doesn't seem to be quite as good and as crisp. Um, he doesn't look as comfortable 
in the passing game as he does in the run game or when he's kept in to help block. Um, but nevertheless, he's somebody that can very much um, make an impact in the run game. You could see him inside the 10-yard line, inside the 5-yard line. When you when you go with like a heavy eye formation, when you, when you really try to run it down somebody's throat, which with the offensive line and with the running backs – he very much will have a role on this offense, and I don't think that's going to be be an issue for him. But it'll be I, I I don't see him having a significant impact uh, catching the ball in this offense in twenty twenty two. So that's that. Those are the guys that are coming back in this tight ends room. Now let's take a look at the the new addition, uh, Chris Petrucci. 6'5", 210-pound tight end out of Park Ridge, Illinois. Played receiver in high school. Uh, was a three-star in the 2022 class. Number 798 player overall. Number 41 tight end. And the number 17 player in the state of Illinois. He has really good size. He's very much a, a hands catcher. Um, but... He, he he's a hands catcher that has good route running and good ball skills, but the glaring thing is the the frame needs to fill out. He's he's too light to play tight end right now in the Big Ten. Uh, I mean, it's a physical league going against some really really high level defenses. Like you'll run into Ohio State where the athletes are. The athletes are really big and really strong and really fast, and 210 may not be able to cut it. I doubt you see him in much of a capacity at all this first year. I would say he's probably a redshirt candidate. I just don't see him at that weight getting a ton of playing time on the field. Perhaps uh, if you were going to see him carve out any sort of role, it may be um, inside the 10-yard line trying to let him go up and get balls um, and and make plays in the red zone, uh, trying to catch touchdown passes, really. I don't see him. I don't think you'll see much of him from the 20 to the 20 uh, just because of that lack of size. And he just needs, he needs more strength. He needs to get bigger. Um... And I think that would be what would benefit him the most. And so that's why I think you won't see much of him and you'll see him. He has a much better chance to play in 2022 and 2023 than he does at all really this year. Coming up in just a couple minutes, we are going to transition from the tight ends to the schedule. Really the early part of the schedule, the first four games. All right, so this 2022 Northwestern schedule is a really unique one, and it kicks off with one of the weirder games that you'll see in in the 2022 season. As Northwestern opens with Nebraska on August 27th in Dublin, Ireland. Now, last year, Nebraska got the better of Northwestern and won that game 56-7 to and outgained... Northwestern, 657 to 293. 
They ran for 427 yards to Northwestern's 37. I don't think you're going to see that happen again. Granted, I think this Nebraska team will be much improved. I think they were a lot better than the 3-9 and nine record they, they finished the year with last year. If you look at it in against FBS teams, they were two and nine, but eight of those nine losses were one score games. And when you look at point differential in FBS games, they went two and nine, but finished plus eighteen in point di- differential because they beat Northwestern by forty nine, and then they beat Buffalo by twenty five. Going into the season, Nebraska ranks number thirty two in the FPI and returns 57% of its production, which is 103rd out of 130 teams. So it's not great numbers there, but that doesn't tell the true, the complete story because Nebraska added 15 transfers in the transfer portal, including a quarterback, and 10 of those 15 transfers are currently projected to be starters this season. So they went out with a plan and filled holes that needed to be filled on the roster. And I think that you're going to see them have a much better year than we're accustomed to. I think that especially early on, they'll they'll have a chance to get to bowl eligibility pretty early in the season. And honestly, I wouldn't I wouldn't sleep on them in their game against Oklahoma. Now, when Northwestern played him last year, Holinsky was pretty solid. He really was. He he threw for 256 yards and a touchdown, didn't turn the ball over. I mean, he was he was solid enough to hang in that game. It was the defense allowing almost 700 yards that allowed the game to spiral on Northwestern and the fact that they couldn't run the ball at all. We've talked about how Northwestern, I expect them to be able to run the ball this year. I really do. I think it's going to be a much much improved offensive line. I think it's going to be a very strong running back room. I think Holinsky's experience is going to benefit the offense. So I would expect that Northwestern will have an ability to score more than seven points. By the way, if you're wondering, Northwestern in the FPI going into the year is 81st. Northwestern also returns 65% of its production, which is good for 69th. Last year, Nebraska on offense tallied 447.6 yards per game, good for 21st in the country. 180.2% of that was on the ground, which is good for 46th. And then 266.4 of that was in the air, which is good for 27th. Now, they only scored 27.9 points per game, which with the yardage totals that you see, you would expect that to be a little higher. At 27.9, they were finished 71st in the country in points scored per game. So they really struggled to really punch it in when they got down in the red area. On defense, the defense was solid. They allowed 366.5 yards per game, good for 46th. 147.4 of that was on the ground, which is good for 56th. And then 219.1 in the air, good for 53rd. They they allowed two, uh, 22.7 points per game, which was the 37th best number in the country. Which look at that, they went three and nine, but their point their points per game 
they allowed five fewer points per game than they scored. So this Nebraska team was very much an anomaly. I mean, they lost. They opened the season with a weird game, weird loss against Illinois. They lost a close battle at Oklahoma. They lost an overtime to a really good Michigan State team. They lost by three to a really good Michigan team. They lost by nine to a really good Ohio State team. I mean, they were in almost every single game that they played. They really were in every single game they played. Um, so, But I think that this game really is, is crucial to the beginning of Northwestern season because I think it's a week zero kick in Dublin, Ireland. It should be one of your home Big Ten games. You kind of... Uh, get the short end, end of the stick with that. But just look at last year in a Week 0 game. Nebraska kind of sleptwalked their their way against the Illinois team that they were a good bit better than, and they messed around and lost. So talent-wise, Nebraska's a better team than Northwestern, but this Northwestern team, with the pieces they have, I think they're better prepared to compete and hang with Nebraska. It's just a matter of can they can they win the turnover battle? Can they can they keep from turning the ball over? Can they win the field position battle? And I think they can they can muddy the game up enough that Northwestern I very easily could see them having a chance to win this game at the end of the at the end of the game. And I think if you can win that, it jumpstarts you for the rest of your season, or really for the first half at least, because then you get uh, the extra bye week when everybody else is playing. So your your week, your second opponent, Duke, who who is going to play you in their week two, but your week three, you get a bye week to, to prepare for them. And last year, last year you lost to them thirty. To twenty three, and you know at half Duke led that game thirty to seven. They were, they scored twenty seven points to open the game, open open the gate, and then Northwestern outscored Duke twenty three to three the rest of the way. When you look at it, another game where the Northwestern defense just did not show up. Duke had five hundred fifty eight yards in that game, three hundred fifty in the air, two hundred eight on the ground. And Northwestern lost the turnover battle five to three. Northwestern threw the ball fine in the game, threw for two sixty, ran the ball at a decent clip and the yards per carry. But when you get down by that much early, it's really hard to continue to commit to the run. So you saw Northwestern only run for one hundred fifty seven yards, but they ran for a full yard more per carry than Duke did in the game. Now. The Northwestern defense that was bad in this game, when you look at the whole game, in the second half, they really did their job. In the second half, the the Northwestern defense only allowed 88 yards. So you would expect that if Northwestern can come out and play like they did in that second half, that they should be able to hang in there. And Duke this year, Duke this year is not going to be that impressive of a team. They have a new coach. Going into the year, they're number 101 in the FPI. They only return 48% of their production from last season, which is 125th in the country. 
And then it's not like they have any momentum either. I mean, they opened the season last year with a loss to Charlotte, then reeled off three straight wins against North Carolina A&T, Northwestern, and Kansas, and then lose their next eight games to finish the season. And the fascinating thing is I think this is a great opportunity for the Northwestern offense. Even if you lose the first game against Nebraska, this has the chance to be a get-right spot for the Northwestern offense if they struggle in that Week 0 game. Because last season, Duke had the worst defense in college football. Duke allowed 518.4 yards per game, which is 130th out of 130 teams. They allowed 311.8 passing yards per game, which is 129th out of 130 teams. They also allowed 206.7 rushing yards per game, which is 117th out of 130. They allowed 39.8 points per game, which is an astronomical number. That's 127th out of 130. I think that this is a game that Northwestern, if it handles its business, should win 7 out of 10 times, 8 out of 10 times, maybe more than that. But it's you have to protect the football, and you have to take advantage, take advantage of a bad defense, a not-that-talented roster under a new coach that's just getting a feel for who they are. And that's what I think is so important about this game. And if you can win that Nebraska game, then all of a sudden you're 2-0, and you go into your third game against Southern Illinois and the FCS, you should handle your business there, you should be 3-0 and and having a home game against Miami of Ohio. Uh, and Miami of Ohio, again, not not a team that's going to scare you if you're Northwestern. They're 96 in the FPI coming into the year. They returned 62% of their production, which is good for 81st. Northwestern, on the other side, uh, returned 65% of its production, which is good for 69th. So what I think what is also an interesting key, the week before Miami of Ohio plays Northwestern, they have to play... Cincinnati, which is going to be a tough game for Miami. They they could get beat up by a more physical team. They may not. It's it's a spot where they're having to go on the road. They're having to go on the road a week after probably getting blown out by a really solid Cincinnati team. Last year, Cincinnati was had was pretty decent on both sides of the ball. They were. They had 427.5 yards per game on offense, good for 45th, 278, and half of that was on the ground, 21st in the country. So they ran the ball well. In the passing game, they really didn't get much done. They were 148.9 yards per game, 79th. So back half of the country there. And they scored 28.9 points per game, which is pretty average for, for the way that everybody scored in the country. Uh, on defense, they allowed 368.9 yards per game, which is good for 51st. 146.4 on the ground, 55th. Nothing that scares you too much. 222.5 in the air, 61st, pretty average. And they allowed 23.1 points per game, which is good for 40th. So they were they were pretty decent at keeping you out of the end zone when you look at the other stats. I mean... I don't expect this Miami team to f- like be they they aren't as well coached because Pat Fitzgerald's one of the best coaches in America. They aren't as talented. 
they aren't as battle tested. They don't return as much of experience. They don't play at a Power Five conference. So again, this is a game that Northwestern, if you handle your business, you win. And if you, depending on how that Nebraska game goes, you could be sitting at three and one, or you could be sitting at four and zero. Oh. If you, if you, all you have to do is just figure out a way to win that Nebraska game, and you only have to pick off two teams the rest of the way to get to make it to a bowl game, which is a big deal. So you, you should, at the very least, you should win three straight games in my mind, heading into the rest of your conference play. And you'll you'll see Penn State on the road in that first one. That's gonna be tough. This Penn State team. I mean, we'll we'll get into it in a later episode. We will look at the next the next four games. Uh, but I think that there is cause for optimism that I think you can build momentum if you're Northwestern through these first four games, especially if you get that Nebraska win, and you can have. You can start the pendulum swing on your pendulum swing season where the year before you go three and nine and you can be in the conversation for the Big Ten West, which you were the previous two even years. But yeah, that's so we today we looked at the tight end room, who left, who the returning starters were, and then we looked at the other pieces in that room. How can they help this Northwestern offense? And then we looked at the first four games of the schedule. We looked at at the the key that that first game can be to build momentum for the rest of the year and how important I think that game can be. I really do think that it can be it can be the jump starter to a really, really strong bounce back year by Northwestern. For locked on Northwestern, I'm your host, Carter Bird. Follow me on Twitter at CarterBird13 and CarterBird13 on Instagram. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. Because we will be back every day because here on the Locked On Podcast Network, it is your team every day. Also, know what your team is up against across the Big Ten with Locked On Big Ten. Every day, host Nate Dickinson and local experts of Locked On take you across the Big Ten in 30 minutes. Make Locked On Big Ten your second listen. Locked On Big Ten.